before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast, featuring my co-host of The End Game, Bill Fleckenstein, and our very special guest, Kyle Bass, the founder and CIO of Heyman Capital Management in Dallas, Texas. In this riveting conversation, Kyle offers his thoughts on the predicament in which central banks find themselves, the policies they will likely be forced to implement, and the steps investors will need to take to protect themselves from the outcome. From the inside stories of private meetings with multiple BOJ governors to a post-mortem of his famous rational investor paradox, Kyle is forthright and open, offering an insight into his thought process and investment framework. China, of course, comes under the microscope as we hear Kyle's views on the US's policy response to the threats posed by the rising Asian superpower, and we even have time for a book recommendation for the world's central bankers. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, the super terrific happy hour and the narrative game is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website grant-williams.com copper tier subscribers get access to all podcasts while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter things that make you go hmm so if you enjoy what you hear on the show and you want more high quality content like it please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today and with that please enjoy the show Grant, how are you? Carl, man, this is so good to have a chance to touch you. you know, I don't know how much you know about this thing that Bill and I have been off in search of. We call this thing the end game. Just okay. um, really trying to figure out how we go from this to whatever's next. And okay. as the kind of as the journey's continued and we've kind of picked at different threads, we kind of come back to central banks quite a lot because the threads always seem to lead that way. The inflation thing, which I know you've been talking about a fair bit recently, keeps coming up. China keeps coming up. So there's a bunch of things that I think would be perfect, really, in your wheelhouse to talk about. Um, okay. So we just want to really, it's just we're just kicking around ideas about how the world transitions from the, the environment we're in now to something else. And does that necessitate a crash? Is it something smooth? Is it a transition? We, you know, we really don't know. And it's just it's just great to get a lot of thoughtful people's ideas on it. Sure, sure. And I guess to sort of put it in a kind of a, a question, I think all of us that consider ourselves sane look at what goes on in the marketplace today, both the stock market and, and other markets. And we all kind of think, believe that it's been warped by years and years of QE, you know, passive investing and all of these things. And I, I when we say the end game, I, I try to ask myself, what what's going to stop this? Because if the thought is correct, that this is sort of unnatural, even though it's gone on for a decade and a half or maybe almost two, right? what stops it? And so that's really the first loaded question I'd like to ask you. What stops the central banks from doing this basically forever? If you had to guess. Yeah, I, I, for what it's worth, I don't, I don't think they ever stop. Right. I, I think that they've chosen to go down the path. And now that they're so far down the path, you know, Greenspan, even in his admissions, uh, will never admit that he did anything wrong. 
Um, he'll never admit that he just didn't see the uh, breakdown in credit quality of mortgage lenders and the fact that conforming mortgage lenders, Fannie and Freddie on balance sheet, were buying oodles of subprime loans. And so, you know, I, I just think they've gone down this path. And if they try to about face bill in any way, we all know what happens, right? Imagine if they just turned off the buying of securities and, and, and tapered all at once. Where would the stock market go? Do you think that the fact that the market has become more of a savings for everyone now uh, or is perceived that way, again, because of the passive investing and uh, all the people that are hired now, their certain amount of money goes in essentially into index funds. Do you think that part of, let's say, the Fed looks at the market as sort of like the average man's piggy bank and they, they feel even more strongly than they might have in the past about bailing things out? Um, yes, I, I, I know they do. I mean, every single Fed member has a Bloomberg terminal. And the, 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 the running joke slash truth is every time they give a speech, every time they talk about anything at the Fed, they all go back to watch what the how the market reacts to their speech. So seriously? Oh, you didn't know that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, no. So, they don't they don't they don't put that in Fed minutes, do they? No. But uh, <laughs> that that is a widely known truth in okay. the and so it's something where they clearly use the market as a barometer of their success. And so, you know, they're never looking to break the bubble and they're never looking to cause damage to anyone's savings or university endowments or pensions, right? They feel like they are the financial gods of the world and that they are smarter than everyone and that they see how the world's working. And yet chain waiting allows them to lie about inflation. And if you just look to Germany's last 12 months, they don't chain weight in Germany. And the last 12 months of German inflation is now 11.8%. So you know, you still have negative rates in Germany, and yet you've got an 11.8% inflation number. So real rates, we believe real rates are negative 12 right now. I'm with you on that. I don't have the, the numbers, the data to back it up like you do on that score. But why do you think that the consensus appears to be that inflation is transitory and no one's particularly worried about it and rates are, say, negative 12 over there and some variation of that over here. Is it because there hasn't been any inflation that's upset the markets in so long they've forgotten that it can happen? Or what do you think drives that? Well, I just think it's the reporting, Bill. I think if you look at the CPI and PPI, or you look at you, you look at the numbers as reported by the US government, mm -hmm. and they never show inflation. And it's because, right. again, you, you look at the, the average price of a car has tripled in the last 30 years. Uh, it's over 300% higher. And yet the amount of auto inflation in the calculation of the CPI is 5% over that 30-year period, right? So they chain weight everything. You're never going to see real inflation numbers printed by the U.S. government. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't serve their purpose. Let, let me follow up on that because you've touched on something that I've thought about for a long time, and that is exactly the point you made. You don't have to look too hard to see the cheats, whether it's the chain weighting, the substitution, the hedonics the OER. What I kept asking myself is, you don't have to be that smart to see that. Right. And not everyone who operates in the market is not smart. I don't understand why people don't look through that. Well, I mean, I guess we could say the same thing about the media at large today and the news at large today. People are willing to look the other way for long periods of time on all kinds of facts. But I, I haven't understood why smart, sophisticated investors need the government to tell them what the CPI is supposed to be when they all have checkbooks and they all write, yeah. you know, pay for things. 
I mean, when you go out to dinner these days, you know, your bank account drains a lot faster than it did just five or six years ago. It's, it's, yeah. it's insane. I look at these bills and wonder if I'm getting them in pesos or dollars when they come in. And, you know, and, and, it's, and, it, and it's everything in life. Uh, everything in life has gone massively higher in price. And, and again, if you, look at, if you look at the way the Fed calculates, even cell phone data is one of these things that they say uh, has been massively deflationary, the cost of data storage and the cost of data transfer has gone way down. But that doesn't actually offset your bank account because right. they put more and more data on the phones and the phones have gone up and up and up in price. An iPhone, how much does it cost today? $1,100? You know, an iPhone 10 years ago was not $1,100. No, it's it's amazing the amount of bullshit they've pulled off under the name of Hedonics. I completely agree with you about the inflation problem. What do you think it will take or might take to get psychology to start to change about that? Do we look to Germany first? Do we look to Japan first? I mean, they've been the thought leaders in monetization. I mean, you must think about what's the catalyst that might change this. Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I have have a great anecdote for you. I I had breakfast with Kuroda and a very private breakfast, just a few of us. And um, we talked extensively about you know, uh, them achieving their inflation target. If you remember, they raised their inflation target from one to two. They never achieved one. They decided to raise it to two, I guess, for psychological reasons. And I asked Rodas on, I said, you know, you say you're not monetizing your deficit and your debt, and yet you own 125% of GDP of your bonds. You own one of every two JGBs that's ever been issued. And you guys own 80% of every single listed ETF in Japan. Through the look-through, you're a top 10 holder in the top five companies in Japan. So on on the equity side, and what do you guys call it? And he gave me this big guttural belly laugh. And he said, Kyle, we are only monetizing our debt when the market tells us we're monetizing the debt. Yeah. But that's exactly it. That's exactly it, right? That's exactly where we are at that point. That's the point where... You know, who are you going to believe, the numbers or your own lion eyes? That's basically where we're at. That's where we are. But the title of this talk, right, is The End Game. The interesting unintended consequences of all of their actions are, are really starting to boil and show. And I believe the geopolitical tensions that we're seeing in the Arab Spring, which, right, was the cost of food. Food, yeah. Right. Uh, what we're seeing in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict today, what we're seeing in the Chinese-Indian conflict on their border— we all think that these are just certain belligerent actors acting and they're acting for different reasons. I believe very, very interestingly that this asset price inflation and the cost of food, if you look at the UN uh, World Ag Index, uh, it's up like 45% eight months. I believe the cost of food, the cost of assets, housing in particular, has ripped. And what that does is it makes the poor even poorer, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, It makes the middle class not able to reach up to their next home because their wages don't move anywhere near as fast as asset prices. And so look at what we're seeing. Today, we have the lowest birth rate of every developed nation in the world today. Guess why? Because people can't move out of their homes. No one's going to marry and live with their parents and have sex in their parents' house. It's not going to happen. They're not going to have babies in their parents' house. The birth rates are collapsing around the world mm-hmm. and the price of assets are ripping. And so an unintended consequence here is this is why these movements are springing up. This is why BLM is actually springing up. Mm-hmm. This is why the social tension in our country 
is so palpable you can cut it with a knife. Mm -hmm. uh, we all think it's Republicans versus Democrats. I actually think it's much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And it's the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots will keep widening as an unintended consequence of Fed action. And we'll get to The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.